0: Your MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in getting a line of credit, or at least learning about it, um, we com- we provide you with an offer right on the website. It's easy, there's no documents required to get the offer. See if you're approved. I, my whole career, I almost have always had a line of credit in place for my multiple businesses. But if you're interested, just visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's F-S as in financing solutions, creditline.com. For those of you who don't know me, over the last 25 plus years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I'm excited to be speaking with Lynn Whitbeck from Petite to Queen. Lynn Whitbeck is the queen of sales. Her business, she's a business owner and entrepreneur. Um, and and people hire uh, Lynn to ignite winning sales because most are chasing down leads, lack client retention, conversion, and profit. Lynn is the founder and CEO of Petite to Queen, host of Get More Clients on the Win-Win Woman Network, and streaming on Amazon Fire, Ruko, Apple TV, uh, and, and others. She has been seen in USA Today, the Huffington Post, Chicago Tribune, and more. Lynn, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast.
1: Stephen, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here as well. I haven't covered this topic in a while, and you know, I'm the sales. Uh, my I, I started my career for eight years in sales, working for Xerox. So I kind of, that's you know. Although I don't do that type of work, I haven't done that in a while. I, that's my skill set, certainly. Um, so today's, uh, topic is sales strategies to get more clients and boost profits. Since the internet has come about and the ability for marketing to be multi-channeled now, which of course, marketing and sales are two different things, how has sales changed in the years now?
1: You know, I'm going to go sort of devil's advocate. Sales is still the same thing. It's about serving and helping others to create an impact in the, the your client's business, in their life, in their uh, with their team members, with their clients, and with their community. And it's still a human to human relationship. So while we have all kinds of fancy new tools and ways to make connections and uh, so many different ways that we can leverage, it still comes down to building lasting relationships that will foster and grow, provide you with a wealth of introductions and referrals and additional business from those clients.
0: Yeah, I, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I wonder what percentage of the people who start businesses and are building their businesses are sales type of people versus um you know internal type of people i mean my guess is a lot of business owners you know build their business in the beginning through their own salesmanship right and then they go from there um you know i having said that i i think a lot of people have the wrong impression of what professional sales is really like right Professional sales, I mean, everyone thinks of sales as used car salesman, (laughs) um, as your dealership, a retail salesperson. And I think the difference between professional sales and Lynn, I know you've done this for a long time too, is a professional salesperson asks questions, is uncovering needs, is uncovering to see if their product or service is the right fit a unprofessional salesperson who's not really properly trained, it's spouting out information. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also think that, um, you know, whether you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, you know, you still, when you start your business, you're still wearing that hat of making those connections and making those sales. I often call that founder magic. And the difference between, um, you know, Sales is one of those areas that they have the highest paid uh, profession and the lowest. And it's from that range. And there are the negative, manipulative, sleazy tactics that give sales a bad name. But professional salespeople, it's about the relationship. It's about becoming a partner, a trusted partner and finding those solutions. And if your solution, you're not and not making your solution fit. If it's not the right fit, it might be the not, not the right fit for now or under these circumstances. But being a resource, um, and once again, that trusted resource, uh, that is what um, makes really separates uh, the wheat from the chaff in the sense of sales and also having a really a strategic plan. Uh, when you're looking to grow your business, um, founder magic is one of those elixirs you, you just can't bottle. So having a sales strategy in place that you can then replicate, bring more and more people on, and they have a path to follow for success um, is how you enable your business to grow and scale.
0: When you are doing, when you're coaching uh, or working as a consultant for the various organizations you work for, what is the thing that stands out the most um, when you're you're brought on board?
1: Uh, The first thing is client thinking. Often the customers have a perception of why their clients purchase from them, and there's often a disconnect. And when there's an an existing business that has an existing clientele, we'll go through an exercise where we actually interview past clients, current clients, near misses, and then we interview the team, the internal team. And by doing that, you see the gap. And then by identifying what the client is actually thinking, why they're hiring the company, that allows us to then pivot our, so we have the right message and we're making the right connections with the right audience. And that's a key part. And client thinking is something that is part of the entire client journey and clients, their perception and how they think changes along that journey. From that initial spark to making a connection, to building rapport, to guiding them to a decision, to then nurturing them so that they become a resource for additional business and referrals.
0: How do you uh, so? You let's say you come on an engagement for a client, and and you say uh, you say to them, so what do clients buy from you? And so then they say, well, they buy from me because of this, this, and this. And then I guess your next question is, how do you know? <laughs> right? How do you know? And they say, Oh, I just know. Right. Do you then say, well, listen, let's do this. Let's, let's get some surveys out there. Or let's go talk to some clients. And let's ask them, let's say, why, you know, why did you buy from me? Is that is that the way it kind of goes?
1: Well, normally we have a strategic process that we put in place and then we, um, you know, when clients engage with us, they're engaging in that to create that process and methodology you know, to put in place for their business. And that is part of the exercise. Now, there are some times where that client thinking exercise isn't needed in the sense of interviewing the clients. Um, But I recommend rather than a survey, actually interviewing them so we can watch their body language. So we can see all the things that they're saying and they're not saying. And also having that done by a third party allows the clients to be more forthcoming. Also using the powerful pause, And then going, okay, tell me more and getting that second answer because that second answer is often, you know, closer to the truth than that top level answer and using all those skills that we have to really draw that out and get that information. But we also do client uh, thinking exercises um, and those are especially helpful for brand new entrepreneurs, brand new businesses that really haven't developed a, a solid book of business yet. And in some cases, don't even have a viable product. And so putting that together helps us then identify what isn't that the client wants, needs, and lack. Why does it matter to them? So they can. So they can what? And I've got my iPhone right here. Who in the heck buys an iPhone to make a phone call? Nobody. I mean, you, you buy the new one because it's got a better camera. It's got a better video camera. It's got... You know, a gigabyte of storage, don't even know what it's up to now, right? You buy it for all these other reasons. That's why you buy it. And so tapping into that, and of course with that kind of product, there's a lot of different reasons, but there's going to be a couple key ones that you're always going to be looking at. And that's why you'll notice that every generation of iPhone has a better camera, a better video system, because that's a number one motivator to upgrade your device. So when you can tap into those core things that matter to the client so they can what that enables you then to communicate more effectively from the very beginning to create that spark of interest and attraction and then to connect.
0: Yeah. I, um, I know this would be a guess, but what percentage of the time have you seen the person you're working with go back to their clients to, uh, verify Why they're buying, why they think that they're buying from them, and it's different than what the owner or whoever thought. Is it, I mean, is it 75% the owner has his pulse on why someone's buying, 25% he's learning something new that he wasn't aware, he or she wasn't aware of, or is it the reverse? You know, is it usually someone's like, oh my God, they're buying for a reason I didn't expect?
1: Absolutely. That's
0: so. That's, that's a higher. Overwhelmingly,
1: percentage. it's there are motivations and reasons uh, and emotions that have come into play from the client's, the buyer perspective, that the business owner has not um, even considered. And so, um, a classic example was a company that provided on-site uh, treatment for reoccurring or muscular, um, you know, pain. And they assumed that the clients are purchasing from them because it lowered their worker comp claims, you know, really helped that, um, and their overall healthcare costs. In fact, their clients were purchasing from them because they cared about their employees health. That's what mattered to them. They wanted their employees, the retention, they wanted their employees to feel good. They wanted them to have good morale and they wanted to take care of them. Total disconnect. It wasn't about the money. The overwhelming reason is that they gave a darn about their te- their team members.
0: Yeah, I've been there actually. I I had a partner once who was like, I don't want to give insurance, medical insurance to my employees. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh uh uh, no, I'm sorry. We're that's my I want to take care of my employees. You know, yeah. and I I and so we're you know, we're going to offer that no matter how expensive it is. You know, um. So, what is so? Usually, you know, do the companies that you work with understand the idea of 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 a, of a pipeline, of a funnel, of you know, of, of 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 phases that a sales goes through? I mean, you know. Do they understand the process those processes and do you incorporate that into your consulting assignment?
1: Absolutely. So we go through creating the entire client journey and what that looks like. You know, once you have your core strategic foundation in place, you know, what's the client thinking? Who's that ideal client avatar? What's that client journey? Because you want to eliminate any gaps and areas of friction um, and make sure it's a delightful experience, you know, and then that building that relationship and the worthy intent that goes with it. That is the foundation of a rockin' sales strategy that's going to last um, and perform highly. So then you start bolting on all the other pieces, the communication, the outreach, the follow-up. Please, please, let's make sure we have follow-up. That's the number one thing. Actually having a strategic follow-up plan, that's one thing that I see lacking across the board, or it's follow-up that is unbelievably lame. Like, hi, Steven, this is Lynn. I'm calling to follow up and see if you're ready to move forward with that proposal. Don't do that. Please, please. I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Don't do that. Instead, Steven, oh my gosh, I just heard the most amazing podcast. This is something that's really going to move your business forward. I think it has tremendous value. The topic was sales strategy. So listen, I'm going to just pop this in an email so that you can give it a quick lesson, listen the next time you're working out or, you know, making that drive to the, the, the local PTA, whatever it is. Um, and I really think this is going to give you massive value. Oh, by the way, this is Lynn, Lynn at Petite Queen. And then you drop it in an email. All right. So the key is that you're, you're planning on getting their voicemail, right? You actually pick up the phone, but you're delivering value and you're telling them why it matters to them. Now, I just did that on the fly, but you plan these things out and you plan them for where people are in the sales process. And you keep that sale moving forward because people get busy. I mean, that's the other number one thing that occurs is ghosting. And it's not because they're not interested, but other things are on the front burner and you need to stay in their mind. You need to stay in front of them in a positive way that delivers value. And I can guarantee you that that will move forward and you can bust the ghost and you'll be able to go to the next stage in the sales when you use that kind of follow-up strategy.
0: Yeah, and it's it's all interconnected, isn't it? I mean, you if you really figure out your customer's journey from a prospect to a customer, you know, that's not only going to help you in sales, but it's also like my big thing is, is, you know, I, I believe that you really can grow your company. If you have a great lead generation system that, that converts prospects into uh, clients that make you good money. And most, I really believe that the key to uh, success and the, the reason for failure is the inability to convert a client from a prospect or to get people from a, Into the prospect mode to a to become a client, and and everyone's thinking about uh, uh, designing the product, and and what I've found in my experience is you could have a product that is superior and no lead generation system, no sales process, and you will fail. And you can have a a product that isn't as maybe as good, but if you have a superior sales uh, uh, process than your competitors as a, a superior lead generation method, then you'll be successful in your business. So what I'm trying to illustrate here is knowing the customer journey, the way I think Lynn, you're, you know, what you're saying, I, I completely agree with um, really helps you in the lead generation category. And that's marketing. I call it lead generation. I think it's easier to understand that. But, um, you know, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, I, I had um, I worked for Xerox for eight years. Xerox was the Google of its time. I have to <laughs> think of it. You know, they really were great. The training was amazing. The people they hired were really good. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I I don't, I don't like. but I was one of the top sales reps in the country for for the company. It's had about five thousand sales reps. And I really believed in what they did, and they they had showed us they, this sales phase. And I always used it. It was called. Uh, every single company, a uh, uh, prospect goes through this phase, the interest phase, the development phase, and then the commitment phase. And then inside of each one of those phase, depending on the business you're in, is the customer journey. And so in all the businesses I was involved with, I always made sure I understood and identified the, the, um, the IDC, the interest development commitment phase for that particular journey. And, you know, I, I would tell you that it really made a big difference in the success of, of the organizations i built. Is that same process today relevant? Yeah. It's oh, the same absolutely. thing. It hasn't changed.
1: It's still the same thing. I mean, you call it interest. I call it creating the spark. Um, it's, you know, whatever, however you want to uh, term, your, the terminology you want to use. And that that attraction and creating that, I mean, obviously you're using lead gen to do that if you don't know what your client wants, needs, or lacks, why it matters to them so they can, you're not going to make the connection. You're not going to create the spark or the interest. So understanding that and building, and then making sure that every step of the way, you know, when you have a lead gen, let's say you have a lead magnet and the person then gets that lead magnet. If it's a hot mess or piece of, you know, yicky, you've just lost them. I mean, all that effort is gone. So you've got to keep. You've got to think through every part of that stage. And then when you bring them in, how are you nurturing them? How are you moving them forward? Um, how are you creating that delightful experience so that they want more? And that that core strategy with whether it's in every process from that lead gen into the next, when you have the conversations and it becomes a human human relationship. Um, To if, you know, they're still nurturing that client if you're, you know, doing some kind of SAAS system, you know, it's because they're doing other things with technology, you know, for uh, to move you forward to, you know, sign up for Canva or whatever it happens to be so that you can move from maybe a free account to a paid account or just sign up to begin with. And that's all part of a process. And understanding that process and building that out, that's that becomes that bedrock foundation that does enable you to grow and scale. And when you map out your client journey and you involve your entire team in the company, that they really understand that if they don't have a client, they're not in business. They're they're literally the clients support the entire organization and it, helps shape the mindset that the client, how important those clients are. They're not a nuisance. It's not a pain. This is what's paying their paycheck. And when you incorporate that, it allows the company itself to transform and to better service and to think through. Well, they'll recognize things. Well, this could be a problem for the client because of how we've set something up you know and it's not going to create a good experience for them and people become more engaged your own team so that you can help yourselves
0: yeah it's listen the s- sexy part about about being a business owner is when you come up with the idea and you and you and you implement it the unsexy part of building a business is the execution, right? And what I've seen, honestly, is in most cases, a huge percentage of the cases. Okay, um, you're you're gonna get have to be great at execution if you're going to build your company. Yeah, and and that really involves processes, and 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 uh, you know I. People hate the word processes and I, <laughs> I, I get it. So I use, I used, I changed that word and with my employees and with, uh, with even my business partners that I've had and said um, best practices. Yeah. What are our, what is our best practices for, for our sales and what is our sales process? And then the other thing I think about that is to, to make sure that everybody in the company, you're small enough. If you, if you, 30, 40 employees or less, everybody should know the customer journey yeah. at your organization because it helps reinforce things. And then plus, you have to have it defined and formal. And what I'm what I'm trying to say is all the business owners I know that have built successful businesses have all been really, I'll use the word anal about <laughs> understanding. Uh, their customer journeys, having it documented, and making sure that everybody um, understands—you know—what their customers go through, yeah. you know, to become a customer. Oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you too is just so you—you—you—you you, you, you caught my attention before when you we were talking about follow up. So we were one of the companies I had. I knew our follow up was not good, and I was like, I was like, you know, I really. I need a good CRM system that's going to make sure that we follow through on somebody. And so I went to a conference and, and, and at this conference was like the perfect CRM system, exactly what I was looking for, right? They would, you know, it would have set they had the different, you know, uh, I had learned prior that it takes that you need to call someone six times or contact someone six times before you give up on them. Um, this system automatically did that. It, it automatically set it up so that it popped up. You had a big chart in front of you. Our, our, so I got the s- software, had automatic dial, it had uh, automatic texting It had, had all this stuff, right? Everything was defined. It was like me and being seven salespeople. Right, I had seven salespeople at the time, and um so it did everything that I would have done as a salesperson with within three months, our sales doubled just on the fact that, and I, I don't really want to blame my salespeople because they just had the wrong tool, right? And it was just amazing the difference that that little change made in our system, and I think it goes back to process best practices, you know, kind of like that. Have you seen similar stories like that as well?
1: No, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, strategy around follow-up, uh, outreach, follow-up, ghosting, all that it, is core. Uh, and what's really surprising is the statistics around follow-up. And you could also say, who's ghosting who? I guess salespeople get busy yeah, and they, they, they miss the follow-ups, even if they do are, have or use a CRM they will go, well, I don't even know what to say, you know, because you haven't developed the strategy to work it out so that they have the pieces that they just pick. This is right for right now, pick and grab and take and, and get it done. And so when you put that in place, everything runs so much more effectively and efficiently. And the client is getting the attention that they need. You're establishing your credibility. You're establishing that you're capable and competent because you're going to follow up. So they know what it's going to be like to work with you. And that is, once again, that's a key part of building trust so that they're ready to move forward with a decision. And so when you apply those core follow-up strategies, you know, into your system, you know, yes, that's why the classic phrase, the fortune is in the follow-up. Very few people are ready to buy right away. It's an incredibly low percentage. People require that follow-up and your most loyal buyers, um, people who love processes and process maps and methodology and systems, they are your most loyal buyers. They take the longest to make a decision. Hmm. So that follow-up is continuing to nurture them so that they reach that point of trust so they can move forward with a decision. So all of that comes into play. And you're right. Uh, I think the numbers, and they they different. I've always, I put in a 13-step a program uh, <clears throat> for follow-up, um, sort of the baker's dozen. And at that point, they would go into some kind of automated yeah. you know, nurturing system. Yeah. But, and you can say, and of course, as someone, uh, the whole point is, even before all that, you need to be talking to the right people. If these are not your ideal clients, if they haven't said heck yes to your five key points of why they should be your client, then you're wasting your time and resources to begin with. So getting that right to begin with, so then you are investing the time and the people who are your dream clients, that's also a critical step that many people miss. And you know, you can throw spaghetti at the wall all day long, but personally I don't, I don't want to eat off the floor. I want a nice plate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) with
1: with roasted asparagus and garlic bread uh, and a glass of wine. So that's the core part that sets people apart in thriving businesses is when they do take the time to identify that client journey, their strategy, and they do implement and execute on it. They take um, action.
0: The people who come to you, do you find that they're – that they're often people who are just not, they're not very good at sales. They don't either like it. They don't, they, they're not really good at it. And they're just, they say, you know, I really need help. I really, need, I, are those the majority of your clients,
1: you know, I, it, it really, it ranges. Hmm. Um, some people come uh, because uh, they actually are good at having those conversations and building relationships, but everything else is a hot mess. <laughs> Yeah, and they don't have the other systems and processes in place, and they haven't really built out a strategic plan. Yeah. So that can be one side. I have people who come who they they're afraid to ask for the sale. They don't. They think it's sleazy, slimy. They don't like it. And it's first of all, it's like ch- switching that mindset around, because if you have a product or service that truly helps, that creates impact, then you have a moral obligation to be serving those people. And in exchange, you're paid. And so those people are really focused more on mindset. And they will definitely get into those, like, I don't know what to say. And it's like, okay, well, let's think about it. What matters to them? What do they need to hear from you? And take yourself out of the equation. This is always focused on your client. And by learning and doing, you get better. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have yet to see a baby go from rolling on its back to suddenly leaping up and running across the room. Yeah. Never happens. Baby steps. They have to learn first how to get onto their hands and knees. They have to start crawling then yeah. they start reaching up and grabbing for the sofa. And then it's Frankenstein as they're walking through. And eventually, yeah, they're running. But it took a while to learn all that and I want everyone to remember that that's the key thing here. Start taking action and start putting the pl- pieces in place. You're going to get more comfortable with it. It's going to become more natural. And then you can fly.
0: Yeah, I also th- think it helps you with product development to um, really understanding what your customers really want. Um, it, it helps you with operations, uh, knowing where where maybe a, a a, a customer after they've been working with you, you know, when you go through recycling back through the cycle again, following up and everything like that, where maybe customers are leaving you for some reason and you find out that. So if you, if you understand the customer journey from, for the whole thing, it it, it really helps every part of your organizations. It's the basis of everything. I mean, let's face it. If you focus on your customer, you know, that's, everybody knows. If you focus on your customer, then, um you're going to be running a good business but if you focus on the product you really you could that's really you're getting away from your customer you yeah. know and that's that's that could cause some some, some major problems so let's let's recap a little bit here number one biggest thing um you're saying is you know know why clients are buying from you right yeah. that's the number number one most important thing
1: yeah get into their head what's the client thinking
0: yep what would be number what was what's number 2
1: Number two is follow-up. Um, it's just, it's it's always a tie. Which one is the, the, the you know, the deadly sin? A failure to follow up or failure to think like your client? Um, so number two, I, I I really start with client thinking is more important.
0: Yep. Um, but number two is follow-up. And number three?
1: Number three is worthy intent. And we really didn't talk about that. But worthy intent means that you genuinely care uh, that you want to create an impact for your clients. That your mo- your motivation is to help and to serve. Everyone has a really high BS meter these days. And to be truly successful, you have to be coming from the right place. To have long-lasting repeat business. To get referrals and introductions, raving fans for your business. You have to come at it with that genuine authentic interest. And I call that worthy intent.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you can, you, I think there's times when, when business owners can evolve into that incredible emotional intent of why their company does what they do. Right. I've had, you know, a couple of companies and sometimes I started off those companies just with the idea of making money, which, you know, God forbid, you should say that nowadays, right. Cause everybody's, Everybody's trying to change the world. You know, I mean, you know, it's like I, you know, I, I'm an old fart, I guess. You know, the idea is you you build a business because you you want to make money. And you, I mean, it doesn't have to be at the cost of treating your employees bad or oh, no. you know, or lying to your customers. It's like it doesn't have to be that way. No, no, it should not be that you way. You won't right? be successful long-term. You will not be successful. It'll catch up, right. But what I'm saying is, you know. Then you know I've noticed with the companies I've had is and as we've gone along, then we start to find um, a real purpose that's not money driven, and that really compounds growth, right? And then it makes employees want to you know love the company, and then it makes customers want to be raving fans, and um, you know, and I and I think that really kind of you know, made a difference. Um, I, I mean, I I had this one company, on just a case study here, where we placed registered nurses at hospitals throughout the United States on long-term temporary assignments. They're called travel nurses. Yeah. It was one of the companies that made Inc. 500 fastest growing. And um, and so I was working on this branding product with my team. And so we were trying to come up with a really good tagline. And uh, we, we worked with this consultant. It was really good. And we... We what we came up with was um, uh, rewarding travel experiences and that these nurses would, like they wanted to go on these assignments, not because they were making a lot more money than they would uh, full-time employment, but because they wanted to go to Hawaii, they wanted to go to Alaska, they wanted to go to an Indian re- reservation. It was those rewarding travel experiences. And then once we came up with that, Idea and tagline, the whole company changed from the idea of of money driven nurses to being travel an being an actual travel agent and saying, "Hey, when you go to Alaska, you're going to want to see this and this and this and this." And it, you know, and then you know, and then we would say, um, "Listen, uh, you know, we got to treat these people really, really, really well because, you know." They're going on an assignment to change their lives. It just became a bigger picture than just making $55 an hour. You know, it,
1: it's definitely the experience, and there is balance. Like you can't have worthy intent without making a profit and without being paid what you're worth. Okay. <laughs> Let's take that right off the table right here. But money is only a motivator to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I, I also was high level professional global sales and at a certain point, you know, it was to, for me, it was more about really helping transform the teams, the sales teams that I work with, um, to serve and help the clients and money. Um, when you don't have the other half of the equation, uh, you know, it's, you're just long-term, you're not going to be as successful. I believe that you need both yeah, uh, to be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, listen, it was a good conversation. I knew it was going to be, it's a fun <laughs> topic for me. Definitely. I know it is for you too, Lynn. Um, I'd like to thank so very much, Lynn uh, Whitbeck from Petite to Queen. It's P-E-T-I-T-E and then number two and then Queen for coming on today's podcast And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We have fantastic guests. This is like over my 400th episode. We always have great people. I always try to bring people on who have real-life experience. Um, So if you like today's podcast or any any other ones, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out about the uh, the podcast. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, please feel free to visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS in Finance and Financing Solutions, creditline.com, or call us at 862-207-4118. Lynn, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, I am the only Lynn Whitbeck on LinkedIn the last time I checked. And of course, you can go to our website at petite or watch my TV show, Get More Clients, if you would like to get more clients.
0: Yeah, good. I like it. Um uh, thanks for coming on today, Lynn.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. I really appreciate the opportunity. And it yeah, was so a I, great conversation. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, good. Well, that's 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 the purpose, right? That's why I do this, just to have fun. Um, the takeaway that I'm going to suggest to all our listeners is this, is take a month, understand your customer journey, ask your customers, go to five customers, ask them why they work with you and go to five people who don't work with you or why they didn't work with you they were in the they were in the funnel and they didn't work with you and go to them and say what happened go go to recent people don't go to people that were a couple months out they won't remember and and that's a good place to start and then go back and uh, listen you want to grow your business i would hire Lynn. i mean that's what <laughs> i would do i mean really it's just such an advantage to have an outside consultant who's done this a million times with other clients and they bring all that knowledge to you. It's to me, it just makes complete business sense, uh, to work with an outside consultant like Flynn. And, um, so I think that's really kind of the, and so, you know, take this as an important part of the growth of your company to take the next month or two and really dive into this, this important process. Cause if you figure out the sales process, then you can figure out the marketing process and then it, it, then you figure out the customer service process and yeah. you just go from there other than that everybody have a great day keep working on your business that's the fun part that's the sexy part growing the business i love it i really do i just that's what makes the world go round for me